Well, welcome into another Monday. Hopefully we got this episode out by Monday. That is always the goal. That was strong to commit to Monday. You know, that kind of gave us some built-in accountability. Uh, Well, I'm here with Rodney. As always, my name is Chet. You found Down the Hall Podcast. What we do each week is provide you with a movie night pick because, Rodney, people waste an average of 115 hours every year just looking for a movie to watch. It's absurd, but I believe it now. I, I used to think that it was absurd slash false, but now I, I recognize like easily can spend an hour looking for something to watch. So we vet through the different platforms out there that are accessible to you, Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Go, and we find you a good movie night pick. So Rodney, I ask you, if you had an extra 115 hours that somebody, some great podcast out there presumably saved you, what would you do with it? Guess what? Uh, what, Rodney? I'm an uncle. You were already. Yes, but now twice. Nice. And so I now have a nephew. So I have covered both the niece and the nephew. And my nephew on day number one of his life already has better hair than I have. It's it's like he had so much hair. I didn't even that was like it was distracting. Which I will say it's a compliment. I'm not saying that I have the the best hair. I just I do try. Yeah. No, I think you have good hair. Thank you. In terms of. I was I was baiting that out of you. All of that to say, uh, really realistically, the good news is that I now have a nephew, uh, so which I'm very excited about. An extra, an extra 115 hours trying to get my hair to look as good as my nephew's hair. You thought it was going <laughs> to be that nice spe- you'd spend say, more time with the nephew. Yeah, um, well, far be it from you to uh, you know immediately. All I saw was, wow, I got to get some hair like that. Mm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah. and to spend the time with with the nephew. Absolutely. Well, anyway, so we do have a, a couple comments on our website uh, from recent episodes. So I guess I'll go back to the Night Owls episode. We have a comment from Mark from New Jersey. He says, I took a chance and watched this film, and I can honestly say I was not disappointed. Great movie. Also, I can honestly say that I was not disappointed during the segment Bird or Band. That was when I gave Rodney a name and said, and he had to guess if it was the name of a bird or a band, mm-hmm. some obscure band uh so he said i wasn't disappointed because knowing that the moment that rodney exclaimed that he was dreaming of going 100 percent in terms of getting them correct after a pretty strong start he was then doomed to failure great show guys a hundred percent true i was so doomed to failure it's not even funny the other comment we got was actually from our most recent episode that is the uh, bundle pack of romantic movies and another mark mark oliver who uh is a follower of the show and he said uh, he actually chimed into our conversation about what makes romantic movies so great. But then he did say, of all the ones we brought up, his favorite, or one that he had remembered fondly, was Overboard. Which, again, I feel like it's come up on the show so many times and I've I've never seen it. You really, really have to see this movie. Overboard is a great movie. Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, they're timeless. So in today's episode, we have a movie night pick for you, of course. Uh, we also have a movie to avoid. And we also have a bunch of other random segments that uh, that play into the movie we're going to be discussing. So, Ronnie, are you ready to get going with it? I couldn't be more ready. Well, I don't know how you get a podcast, but you should look into it. Yes, of course, it's down the hall. Because I'm psyched. And 
Here we go. My favorite thing is to say something like, I couldn't be more ready as deadpan as I possibly can muster. I couldn't be more ready. Um, so the movie that we're doing today is Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Uh, Chet, one of your favorites. came out in 2012. Uh, features... Which uh, many people thought was going to be the end of the world, 2012. That's a good point. There was a lot of big believers in even our my you know our close friend Tyler yeah was super convinced that so this December movie, 2012 was the end of the world. This movie was topical when it came out, I suppose. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I um, different different tone to it for sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, so, all of that to say, yeah. uh, features Steve Carell, Kira Knightley. Um, there's a lot of other uh, small roles by people that you would recognize: T.J. Miller, uh, Rob Corddry. Patton Oswalt, Jillian Jacobs, Melanie Linsky. Yeah. Um, this is a movie you can find on Netflix. It's about an hour and 41 minutes, so not an overly long movie, as we like to you know, pick ones that we think you can get through in a night. Um, it's a comedy drama. And Chet, tell us a little bit more about what the movie is, though. Yeah, so like Rodney said, the movie's called Seeking a Friend to Be a New Podcast Host. It does start. No, Steve I don't Carell. think you didn't. What? I think you messed that. That's not what the title was. What did I? Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Yeah, you had a little Freudian slip there. Don't Ooh. think I didn't catch it. I know. Listen, I see your posts on Craigslist. You're like looking for. You think that your your like nickname is that clever? You think that if I meant to say what I think you think I said, that I would that I would throw it out like that? Because if I if I wanted to post, it would sound something like this: Hi, I'm seeking a friend to jump on and take down the whole podcast to the next level. I need a new co-host. Mm-hmm. Rodney's not cutting it. You know what's going to happen is that co-host is going to replace you, my friend. So, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Uh, it is it is one of my favorites. Um, we'll get to our ratings, individual ratings for sure. But this one is basically about Steve, Steve Carell's the main character. He's kind of like a careful guy, like a planning, calculated guy. Um, and his wife leaves him literally in the opening scene of the movie. Uh, they are hearing a radio broadcast that says the world is coming to an end. There's nothing that anyone can do. The countdown is like, whatever, three weeks from now, the asteroid's going to hit. We're all going to die. They're, like, enjoy the rest of your three weeks. And what I love about this movie is that it starts out that way. So now the rest of the movie, you see how society reacts, but not in a way that's like, it's not a, it's not a drama. It's not an action movie. It's a, it's a satire. So like throughout the film, you're seeing how people are and, and kind of how their behavior changes or doesn't change. And those are equally hilarious. So like you see people whose behavior changes drastically where all of a sudden all they're doing is partying and like drinking and like whatever, like not going to work. It doesn't matter anymore, right? Nothing right. matters. But then you also have the people who, for whatever reason, stay in their own sort of like uh, habits. So like mm-hmm. at one point, a guy is like still working out at the gym. It's like, dude, yeah. like, come on, like the world's going to end. Or like someone's like having a yard sale and people mm-hmm. are walking around buying things. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. It's like, it's just kind of like a constant satire on, on, on the entire thing. But the story is about how um, Steve Carell, whose wife has left him, he meets Kira Knightley, who's very flighty. She's from England and she just wants to get back to see her, her family. So she's determined to get back home. He receives a letter from a long lost love, kind of the one who got away. Now he wants to go find that woman. So mm-hmm. now Kira Knightley and Steve Carell kind of join forces on this road trip through the apocalypse. Throughout the movie, what's fun about it is you see them interact with a number of different people who you might picture being stereotypical, like what you'd find in an apocalypse. You have some people who literally have turned a restaurant into like a three week long rave party. And then you have some people who are like underground doomsday preppers, like bunking out that each time they meet them, like it, 
it the 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 creators of this movie the writer director of this movie found the humor in each of those types of people and presented it to us in a fresh way Mm -hmm. because steve carell and Kieran knightley are meeting these people and it's like we're seeing them through their eyes it's a lot of fun to watch and i don't know that i can say much more without spoiling anything so rodney why else do you think it's a movie night pick um yeah i i think you covered i think you covered all of it it almost is like a zombie apocalypse movie except like the places that like as they're on a road trip instead of like being stopped along the way by zombies or other traps it's like there's like different pockets of people they bump into um but i think if i were to try and sum it up i feel like it's a really fun movie like there it's a comedy movie but it's interesting and dramatic because it forces you as you're watching to probably confront all of the decisions you make on a day-to-day basis or the you know or collectively decisions that people make society makes on a day-to-day basis and think okay how important are the things that we're doing or you know it really makes you evaluate like like going to the gym right like oh is going to the gym important if you only have three weeks left you know what i mean like i feel like you see these types of decisions and if nothing else it's an interesting it has the potential to raise interesting conversations whether it's a date night movie or personal movie whatever you know whatever the situation is i feel like it will raise situations that you will then think about and also laugh absolutely so it's a movie night pick because it's on netflix it's short it is hilarious it makes you think it's heartfelt and it's a fun adventure movie so Mm -hmm. definitely one that's worth your time yep absolutely um so what did uh what did you give this movie so like we already said it's one of my favorites i gave it a nine Okay. So to me, I think I've explained this before, the distinction between nine and tens, really nine and up are the greatest movies I've ever seen. And 10, I suppose, would be movies that also meant kind of a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one is certainly one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Um, so it definitely belongs uh, right there at a nine. So for me, it was a seven, um, which is a movie that I enjoyed, I would recommend um like would definitely openly recommend but like probably, on a podcast like on a podcast potentially yeah um but yeah so it's a movie that i definitely enjoyed i would definitely recommend you know isn't my favorite movie ever like it it didn't probably have enough laughs or didn't make me think enough to start to be an 8 9 you know that but you know all of those things it, it's definitely a really quality great great worthwhile movie so uh, the IMDb score is a 6.7. So okay. it's respectable. You know, yeah. So like, there's a dark humor to it yeah. that I wonder if it put a certain taste in people's mouths and right. they weren't willing to give it necessarily the highest of ratings. Right. Like if you went into this movie and you were really hoping to laugh more, you know, like sure. you really kind of thought like, oh, I thought I was going to enjoy this. And now I'm just sitting here thinking about like whether my life choices are worthwhile, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. um, they are. I affirm you. Thank you. They're, they're um, certainly not talking to you, but uh, carry on. Oh, um, I was encouraged, and now I feel like you took it back, so I'm less encouraged. So that's what the uh, peasants think. The peasants, the serfs. What if, you, uh, me, and the rest of the IMDb community. What does the feudal communi- community... That's right, right? Feudal? Fe- feudal, that would be the... You mean like royal? Yeah, wouldn't that be the... Uh, I think that's right. The Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> yes, the feuds. <laughs> Hate, 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 double hate, lose entirely. I like you a lot. Uh, so the Rotten Tomatoes score is a 55%. Uh, 
So what you're um, saying is most critics agree with me. I agree that, well, most critics agree with both of us. Correct. Because I think both of those scores both would of those have qualified would, as yes. high. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder if most is, yeah, I mean, that's accurate. So, I would say more than half. Well, not everyone loves it, uh, clearly. But uh, we have here the best and worst review, um, which we do every single week to kind of give a full picture to what other people are saying about it. Now, if you are new to the show... There are certain uh, publications that find their way onto the show more times than others. Unfortunately, one in particular that stands out above the rest, or should I say below the rest? It's the one that you keep saying you're going to stop talking about. No, no, no. We've given that up. I I said the... the We? I never... I was just... I can play you the audio. I've been an audience. We collectively... First of all, Rodney rants were a thing far before Chet rants were, and it just so happens that Slant Magazine... Uh, if you're a regular listener, you knew that's where we're going with this. Slam Magazine has really found the buttons to push for me. Now, I will say, this time around, we do have a name, a name attached to this article. This and I looked up the name on Twitter, and that guy provided his own email. On, on his Twitter. Twitter account? On his Twitter account. That's a really bold thing to do, isn't so, it? You know what my next step is. But anyway, let's let's just read what Slant Magazine had to say about this. I kid you not, they came in at the lowest review again. And what they had to say was, it is a predictable, drawn-out romantic comedy that happens to be set in the shadow of impending apocalypse. Here's the thing. Of all the slant rants, I don't know that I have a full-on rant this time. I don't know that I have a huge problem with what they have to say. I want to be honest. However, the first two words is where they truly lose me, where it says it's predictable. It is not in any way predictable, Mm -hmm. which I think goes against um, a lot of kind of the tropes that people might've gotten used to with romantic comedies. And it's possible that that played into how people rated it. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, see like another, another example of one of those things I'm wondering, but anyway, without dwelling on that, I will also say I agree. And I also have a problem with the continuous like slant will then say, here's what I don't like. It's quote unquote predictable, and just set in a different backdrop that I've never seen before. It's like, well, then it's not something you've ever seen before. If you haven't watched a romantic comedy on the backdrop of the apocalypse, Im- the apocalypse, like then there's probably a lot of like conversations and topic matter that wouldn't come up in your normal romantic comedy where the world is not ending, which is central to everything that happens in this movie. The best review, which uh, comes from the USA today, I think agrees with, with our, our thought that it is not predictable because it says this is a romantic comedy for people who don't like rom-coms. There's no chance of a happy ending, but it's tender mercy speak volumes. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. That's perfect. Very, very, very good review. Not just because it agrees with us, just because it agrees with us though. Hey Chad. So it feels like we're done with reviews, professional reviews. Yeah. It feels well, professional like professional reviews and slant magazine and, and slant magazine. Well, well said. And, I guess before we transition, it feels like you said you have the name and email address now of someone from Slant, and I'm just trying to figure out like why you're, hold- oh, you're holding on to that. Oh, did I say that? You did. You know, so it's I'm funny. Just, it feels like you, not that I'm being the devil on your shoulder, but it if, feels like you want our audience to do something. If only we had an audience of people, if only that had continued to grow in such a way that we could make somewhat of an influence here. If only I could share these things and, and trust that those people, that audience would potentially go and tweet at this man and tell him to come on the show. I mean, if only. 
So Next step. All we would need is for them to go to Twitter and look up Andrew Schenker. Okay, so Schenker, if that's, that. if that's not a slant magazine name, I don't know what is. Andrew Schenker, S-C-H-E-N-K-E-R. His bio says that he is a writer, a collector of fragments. <sighs> Even that's pretentious. <clears throat> Set in Brooklyn, New York, which is where Slant Magazine is. So that's that's this guy. In his email also pretentious. that he gives publicly is Schenker1980 at gmail.com. So he's probably uh, 37 years old. Probably, if the math holds. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 just let's inundate this guy because there's no way he's that popular. How many followers does he have? Uh, one more as of right now. All right, what's the number? Uh, four hundred and forty. Yeah, so four hundred and forty. Listen, you feel we can it. double that right now. Everyone yeah. go out there right now and and follow this guy and then start tweeting at him saying, "Hey, go." Actually, literally as we're speaking, I'm going to invite him to come on the show. Rodney, I guess I should say, if you're looking for him on Twitter, it's not at Andrew Schenker. It's at Schenker1980. He's really proud of his birth year. I'm tweeting at him right now, Rodney. It says, come on our show for a phone interview. We hate Slant Magazine's reviews on otherwise beloved movies. Love it. Andrew Schenker doesn't even know it's coming. Crush him. So dealing with the apocalypse, we uh, we have a couple um, fun segments here on topic. One being, we asked the listeners, hey, if you knew the world was ending and you decided you were going to watch one final movie, what movie would that be? Do you really love the lamp or are you just saying it because you saw it? I love lamp. I love lamp. So leading us off, we have Jacob from Nantucket, Mm. uh, says Forrest Gump, which, you know, classic. Yeah, that's a good one. Emily from, uh, from Missouri says A League of Their Own. Allie from Kansas City says trolls. Trolls? Trolls. Is that like the anime? Yeah. Yeah. Bruce from Rhode Island says Rudy! Exclamation point. So he like yelled it. Rudy. Oh, wait. Is that the name of the movie though? I think so. It might be one of those movies with exclamation point in it. Could be. Like like the lesser known Rudy. Mm -hmm. Like the Rudy with the exclamation point. It's about something completely different. (laughs) Yeah. Different one. Mike from Nolens, New Orleans says uh, Dr. Strangelove. He said it would probably be appropriate. Uh, Dave from Virginia says Pulp Fiction. Anytime someone says something that I don't get the reference, all I do is just raise my eyebrows at you, which I realize <laughs> it does nothing for a podcast. Yeah, you don't really have like a poker face. <laughs> That's your tell. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm trying to react. This is also why I realize like I can't wear sunglasses all the time because I try and communicate a lot just with my eyes. And then I realized like, no, everyone thinks you're just staring. Like, no. <laughs> so Jamie from North Carolina says Aladdin. Mark from Jersey says the quiet man. The quiet man. A lot of these I don't I don't Christian from Pennsylvania, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Allison from California says the Princess Diaries. And Conrad says the Ten Commandments. Conrad. <laughs> these are all these are all like older movies. They're all, all over the place. Except for trolls. What's what's uh what's yours, Rodney? What's the one movie you're watching? I think the one movie I'm watching is Tommy Boy. Okay. I mean Go out with a laugh. Listen, it is it's to me comfort food at its finest. Um Tommy Boy has never gotten old to me. I will hit play and watch it and enjoy it and go to sleep soundly every night. No arguments there. Mine would have to be the sandlot. And the reason I choose it is just like it's the most like nostalgia filled 
funny, mm-hmm. feel good. Made me think of like playing baseball growing up. Like, ah, oh, that's a great one. That to me, if I'm going out, I'm going out with the Sandlot. Benny the Jet Rodriguez, pickling the beast, would make me feel brave enough to take on the the, uh, the apocalypse. <laughs> you say here, here I come, apocalypse. I'm about to pickle you. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. That was a dramatic thing to end with, but instead, I'm gonna also squeeze in the other one I almost picked was Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, absolutely. God. Are you kidding me? Great picks. Great picks all around. How could you not love going into the end of the world watching that? I love disagreeing with you. I do. But I can't. That was a great Mm -hmm. pick. Both of them. So I think as we go from here, Chet, we're we're talking about the end of the world. I'm pumped for what we're about to do here. This is like, this is new ground. New ground. Down the Hall podcast. I, I think we should do it all the time. Well, so let me explain. So the topic, obviously, for tonight's episode is really apocalypse. We also try to fit in just like a fun, nonsensical segment. So along with movie to avoid and a movie night pick and the ratings and asking you for feedback on stuff, we like to do just random stuff. And so tonight, Rodney and I have found a quiz online, 10 questions that determine your survival level for the zombie apocalypse. What we're going to do is Rodney has it up on his phone. I have it up on my phone. We're going to read you the questions. We're going to read you the possible answers. There are multiple choice answers. We'll tell you what our answers are, and then afterwards, we'll read to you what this quiz tells about Rodney and about myself. I'm excited. Rodney, let's uh, watch you read the first one. Uh, All right. So you're sitting at home with your family watching TV when suddenly your program is interrupted by breaking news. The zombie apocalypse has begun. What do you do first? Ignore the outbreak. It's probably nothing. Google the outbreak. I need more information. Run outside screaming. Switch channels to American Idol. I'm Googling the outbreak. I need to find out where this is. I need to find out where I need to be next. I'm going to do the same. So uh, I'm, I hope we don't always have the same answers, and I doubt we will, but uh, I'm doing that same exact thing. Next question. You have verified that the zombie apocalypse is for real. It's happening right now. You have no time to waste. What is your top priority? Rescuing my loved ones, barricading my house, safety first. I know that definitely is not your answer. Creating makeshift explosives, run outside screaming. Is run outside screaming going to be <laughs> on all of these? Because I think inevitably one of them I'm going to probably have to go with that. That so, would be Eugene from The Walking Dead, remember? Yeah. Gene would, would just always run away screaming. I would like to think I would try to rescue my loved ones. I certainly wouldn't make makeshift explosives. I'm going to go with rescuing my loved ones. You know what? If the zombie apocalypse is real, I guess I don't really want to go other places. And just because I'm barricading doesn't mean that I... I'm going to go safety first. I I think my first priority would be making the place that I am zombie-proof. So I'm going to go second, actually. All right, next one. A family member is bitten in the attempt to escape. What do you do? So this is a zombie apocalypse. The family member is bitten. What do you do? Leave him or her behind? Cut off the infected limb? Shoot him or her immediately. Bandage the wound and keep a careful eye on him and her. Him or her. Maybe we can learn something. I'm bandaging the wound because what's to say? Like, if I got bit and you came up and immediately tried to chop my arm off, 
You'd be like, no, 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 I saw this on The Walking Dead. You're definitely infected. I'd be like, you don't know that. <laughs> yeah. I want so, this. Uh, uh, dang it. I, I hate that you had the same exact answer that I was going to say. It's like, why would pop culture zombie ever actually be real? You know there'd be one guy trying to like trying to implement all the rules from all the movies about zombies. Yeah. Like He'd be yeah. like thinking World War Z. Yeah. And he'd think, well, if I infect myself, they won't get after me. I am George Romero's biggest fan. I've seen every Don't Left 4 Dead. Don't worry, guys. I've got this. Um, so you, next one is you reach a small town where there is no sign of the infected. In fact, nobody in the town even knows about the zombie apocalypse. What do you do? Gun in with guns blazing. We can take over the town. Weird phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately take the opportunity to get rid of our useless cash for valuable supplies. Donate supplies to villages in goodwill. And the last one is onwards. Which I don't know. So, the first one I'm going to react to, gun in with guns blazing, we can take over the town. This is something I actually fundamentally disagree with every zombie apocalypse show that's ever come up. It's like, it's like there are people in the world like, oh, they were just waiting for this to happen, so they take, like, no, whatever happened. there are definitely people in the world who are waiting for this to happen. For sure. Yeah, but the the idea that they would then have their own cult society, to me, is like, I don't understand why, like, Oh, every new every it would new definitely place. Happen. I couldn't disagree more. It would definitely, definitely happen that way. For so, sure. I am going to immediately take the opportunity to get rid of our useless cash and valuable supplies because yeah, of course that's what you do. That's what well, I do too. That's the, yeah, that's but the you sensible could be thing. A, you could be in a place that you are free of the zombie apocalypse now. So it could be it could be a mistake, I guess. No. I mean with all the no, other no, no. options. We know that the zo- you had a friend get bitten in one of these earlier questions. You know that the zombie apocalypse is happening. You get to a town that doesn't know yet. You play it calm, and you you get whatever supplies you need with the useless cash you have. Presumably, you have some of that on you. Yeah, hopefully that, a lot. <laughs> that's the right answer, man. That is that is the right answer. I'm I'm doing that too. All right, so we've only disagreed once so far. Well, I mean, we got a sensible approach. All right, the world has fallen. The zombies have won. You're backed into a corner and have nowhere left to run. You. Push family members into zombies to buy you time to run. You shoot yourself. You charge into the zombies, taking as many of them down as you can. Never give up. Rapidly search for escape route. Come on. Easy for me. That's bold. The way it's worded makes it easy. Either murdering someone, murdering yourself, (laughs) running head on into a group of zombies, or continue to look for an escape. (laughs) Yeah, like, why is that even an option? I was, I like, oh, so you're saying that I could continue looking for escape (laughs) instead of murder? I'll go with that. I mean, I don't get who the other ones are. Oh, shoot, I pressed the wrong one. (laughs) Thinks I'm a murderer now. (laughs) Oh, man, this next one's a long one. I'm going to read it quick. You've lost friends and family on your journey, but now it seems you've escaped the immediate peril of the apocalypse. You managed to get on a sailboat to, to a large lake with the surviving members of your family. You now fish for food every day. One morning, you see a group of survivors at the docks, the first non-infected people you've seen in almost a year. They're frantically fighting off hordes of zombies, and it looks like they won't make it much longer. Wait a second. What does the fish have to do with anything in this one? <laughs> this one did. This one like is like painting this like picturesque like end of movie story, and then puts throws you back into it. I don't know the why. The point is, what do you do if someone is in need of help fighting zombies? Yeah, although I do like the backstory because it does help me realize like, okay, you've been safe with your family for a long time. 
so you you figured it out, and you now just, you're like, and something oh, crap. to consider: you have a steady diet of fish, so you might be really strong. Yeah, true. <laughs> you got a lot of omega threes pumping through the blood. So, do you immediately try to rescue them? What is the point of life if not to help each other? I feel like someone is interjecting their own thoughts in some of, of these. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Sadly, observe from a distance as they die one by one. <laughs> Turn up the music, life goes on. Turn up the music? You're fishing for food. What music do you have to play? And then resume fishing. I also think they gave themselves, like, they forced themselves to have four options every time, whoever yeah. came up with this quiz. Because turn up the music, life goes on, and resume fishing feel like, well, okay. Like, I guess one's more joyously ignoring them. So this but... comes down to, do you go to help other people, or do you just kind of make the cold decision that you need to protect you and yours first? Yeah. Hmm. So it's case by case, you know, I hate that this sounds pretty obvious, but I feel like I'm going to try and rescue them. Yeah. I mean, might do so from like an uncomfortably safe distance as far as they were concerned. But you know what though? I don't think it's an automatic thing. So because of that, I'm going to pick the other option just so that we have diversified answers. So I'm going to sadly observe from a distance as Rodney goes to rescue them and gets (laughs) shredded. I do like people listening that he gave himself like, an optimistic <laughs> i mean he he gave he gave potentially his real choice but just in favor of he didn't want you to think less of him so do it he, he's just doing it so that we have different results over the next few years you have grown wise and experienced and have adapted to the new world you now lead a band of survivors and they look to you for leadership your group is probably humanity's last hope what is your goal your name is Rick. What's his name? Rick. Rick. What's his last name? Grimes. Rick Grimes. All right. A, to kill as many zombies as possible. So this is, what is your goal? All right. To kill as many zombies as possible. To rescue as many survivors as possible. Can it be both? Anyway, to begin rebuilding a city where we can be safe, slowly reclaim the country. Survival is the only goal. Okay. These all feel like the same answer because I feel like by killing as many zombies as possible i can also try to rescue as many survivors as possible in order to rebuild a city because survival is the goal yeah but i think you gotta i can see that i think that there's subtle distinctions in all of these answers Mm, okay maybe not that last one which again i feel like what we're finding is that the fourth option is like one where someone was scratching their head like darn i wish i didn't give myself four every time i'm gonna try to rebuild i don't think survival is the only goal i think thriving is the goal Mm. you know what i wish was on here and diversifying the menu items besides just fish i feel like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with that one too because it's the only one that is my actual answer which is i feel like you gotta start to try and research what the heck is happening and whether you can figure out a cure man another long one oh boy you build, you rebuild and develop a city and painstakingly transform it into somewhere safe and reliable to live. Farmers are growing crops and engineers and scientists are working nonstop to fortify the city better. I like that it keeps giving us the different menu options. So first we had fish, now we have crops. <laughs> you are about to retire as leader. Retire? Retire? Well, maybe you had a great pension. <laughs> retire as leader of your people. What do you focus on in your last speech to the city? What have you learned in your life? <laughs> what do you focus on? What knowledge do you wish to impart on the young children growing up in this world? Now it's like all of a sudden, like, what? Because over the course of the last eight questions, I actually have lived this life. What am I trying to impart? I don't know. I was just trying to decide whether I'd survive or kill people. Um, 
Would so would it be survival? Always be suspicious. Trust. We will eventually fail if we can't trust each other. Weapons. Learn how to fight and learn how to kill. Compassion. Never kill a zombie unless absolutely necessary. Zombies were once like us. I don't. Again, <sighs> fourth answer. Never a good answer. We're gonna find out that this was written by Slant. I think. Um, I'm gonna say trust because I think again I don't think survival is the only goal. I think survival towards an end. Like, towards an end goal should be there, too. So, like, trust, that's how you rebuild, that's how you thrive. I'm going to go with that. Did you start answering before I could answer because you didn't want to be copying me? Because, obviously, trust is the only thing, because survival... I don't think it's obvious. I think Dan's listening right now, and I don't think that was his answer. Uh, Do I... I mean, I guess I could make an argument for survival, always be suspicious, but suspicious of you know, what? You need to put that because you are always suspicious of everything everyone says to you anyway. You have to. I refuse that's, to continue this if you don't hit that as your answer. Yeah, but that that's I'm true. I'm taking my ball and going home, man. It's because that's that's why I... because tr- Hit the button. Next question. But that's not my answer, but survival, I guess. Last one. <clears throat> A group of raiders roll in one day and attack your city. The new leadership decides to go to war, and soon there is a full-scale battle underway. Your friends and family are dying needlessly, and the people look to their old leader to save them. What do you advise the city to do? A. Flee the city and let the raiders take it. Better that than more lives be lost. B. Continue to defend the city, slowly losing men to guerrilla warfare tactics. (laughs) Okay. C. Deceive the enemy into thinking we surrender and then kill all who come. Life is tough. We must survive. Or D, venture out of the city and attack the raiders. I don't think I get the situation. (laughs) Are the raiders in the city or out of the city? Well, they just moved from Oakland to Vegas. But in this case, I think they're attacking the city through guerrilla warfare. Got Um, it. I I guess you have no choice but to defend the city. I mean, I'm assuming that at that point, there's a Panera Bread. Maybe there's like a Cold Stone Creamery. Like we've got some good things going on. Maybe there's a nice fountain. There's a lot to defend. I'm not letting that go to just some guerrilla warfare tactic raiders. Yeah. Well, I feel like this one, I'm going to disagree with you because I feel like the more complete answer then. So you're saying you're going to keep fighting them. But then if I'm going to keep fighting them and I've already been told that I... I have an opportunity to kill all who come. Like, it doesn't say that there's a chance that I lose in that fight. So I'm going to deceive the enemy into thinking that we surrender, then kill all who come. Life is tough. We must survive. Okay, hit submit, because that was the last question. (laughs) Wait, mine says... Mine says you got six out of ten correct. (laughs) There are correct answers in there? I got eight out of ten correct. Correct? By whose standard? <laughs> See correct answers? So this wasn't a personality test? I thought for sure this was going to say like... There were right and wrongs in here. Not Rick just Grimes but versus like, like... I thought this was going to give us like a character. Oh, man. Boy, it, did this just get submitted to like each of our HR department or what something? What a letdown. I'll tell you, the preview for this segment was better than the result. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on... Shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. You know, it's it's interesting that we have the George Bush clip here saying, like, fool me. Well, I felt like we just got fooled. But luckily enough, 
we can keep uh, our listeners from being fooled on a movie night. Yes, we can. So this movie to avoid is actually one that requires some discussion. It's a movie you've probably heard of by now. It's a Netflix original, getting all sorts of attention. Has a pretty good cast. Jake Gyllenhaal's in there as well. Okja. Okja. So it's it's like this. It's almost like a it's almost like a fresh take on like Free Willy almost, but mm-hmm. instead of a whale, it's this like futuristic genetically enhanced pig mm-hmm. during a time in the world where like we're yeah. running out of food. Yeah, it's definitely like it's a world that is. In the future, where they are, like you know, it's it's things that are considered pretty valuable at this point now, like you know, like uh, genetically enhanced pigs. But their main character is this like girl from Korea who helped raise one of the pigs, and and now they're trying to take the pig to essentially be slaughtered. Yeah, right. And but Charlotte's Web meets Free Willy. Yes, and also yeah, meets like I don't know, like food documentaries or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know uh meets whole foods <laughs> slash <laughs> new wave food movement <laughs> so uh this is actually more of a of a rodney take in terms of it being a movie to avoid i actually thought it was pretty good i I'm, i i agree it's a movie to avoid but in the sense that it's such a specific style of movie i don't think i could honestly recommend it to just everybody so i'd yeah. say more than likely you're probably not the type of person who will love this movie, but I do think there are people who will find this one great yeah to me i think you said it well of what you did like about it. And to me, it's also what I would say makes it avoidable is you said there's a lot of really great characters, like standout memorable characters, which is true. But I think there's, they, I feel like they clash with, with each other too much. There's too many zany characters in my oh, opinion. Oh yeah, yeah. It's almost like a live action anime movie. And I think like, yeah, something about anime style is that things are n- nothing about anime movies are necessarily all that like dull or standard like usually characters are very eccentric and like they're very colorful and mm-hmm. the emotions and the words are very like, just expressed on like a higher yeah i don't know it's just like higher almost intensity right yeah and in this movie that's that's what it is right it's not anime it's live action but it kind of has that feel yeah it's not that it's completely unbelievable it's just there's too many things competing and then jake gyllenhaal as a nut Could probably do without him on this yeah, yeah, he's a nut, but he's like the host of this show where they like raise these pigs and there's going to be a winner. It's just, it, there's. Oh, and we're forgetting Paul Dano, isn't it? Paul Dano, who, I cannot who like leads this like animal Frumple activist. Stilskin himself. Paul Dano is, I don't like Frumpy Paul Dano. McGee. I don't like him. I, I, I him. hate to say that. No, I feel like. I don't like him either. I <sighs> just, I just feel like when I look at him, I just think if I were to spray him with some water, he's going to melt. Because I think he's, he's like, like the Wicked Witch of the East. <laughs> is that what it was is it the east west, or the west? i don't know <laughs> well he's he's in the same category as all the wicked witch yes yeah, the wicked wiccan wicked wickedness of the world yeah so anyway that's that would be my take on it is i know it's there it's visible it i certainly is it's it's promoted it's on lists it's on yeah. collider uh, you're gonna google whoa. best movies on netflix kurt bronower told us to, to watch it kurt bronower yep. friend of the podcast kurt bronower yeah. From the big sick who we did an interview with. He did tell us to watch it, which, so we listened to him. I mean, we're going to, if someone goes to our website and says, Hey, watch this movie, we're going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we necessarily say it's a movie, but I did like it. I did like the movie enough to say it's pretty good. It's just definitely not, I think it's one to avoid. It's not going to be, I think there's going to be more people regretting their movie night than appreciating us. So avoid Okja. And uh, as we, you know, as you contemplate how to go about cutting this down what i will also say is uh everyone else contemplate hearing us on checked out in jersey on thursdays at 8 p.m on facebook live uh where we 
talk to Matt and Pete and we tell them what our movie pick of the week is and we also get to hear whether they liked our previous movie pick of the week. That's right. And if you can't catch us live on that, you can also download their podcasts where they turn all of their live shows into audio form Mm -hmm. for your listening pleasure. Also, be sure to check out uh, Movie Rob's reviews. We're going to do all that we can to get this one reviewed by him as well. He is a very busy guy, but he also does amazing movie reviews, and he um, is kind of retroactively going back and giving proper reviews to the movies that we recommend. Excellent. I told you not to give details. Yeah, well, you're the one who gave me the details. Well, Rodney, let's keep this quick. Let's do it. What was your favorite scene of Seeking a Friend for the End of the World? Mmm... I think my favorite scene um, ends up being the newscaster uh, as he's signing off, honestly. So remember there's like a oh, newscaster yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah. had decided yep. to, to yep. kind of work throughout the he's whole... He's like the guy. He's like the he's like the unsung hero of the movie. He like mm-hmm. sticks through, decides he's going to keep showing up for work, keep kind of talking people yeah. through it. And But I think what I really loved about it was, you know, so there is... To me... I really loved who he was at the end of the world, right? Was somebody who was working, but also still had a pretty... It wasn't like he was working to run from something. He was working because he felt like he had a duty to do. Mm-hmm. And um, and like his last broadcast as he's signing off is just this really like heartfelt, um, you know, goodbye to everyone and telling them that he's going to go spend the last few hours of his life with his family. Yeah. So to me... Um, I think that was my favorite. My favorite scene was was that. Cool. So I have many, many, many scenes that I like from this movie. I'm going to pick one, and a lot, most of them heartfelt, but I'm going to pick one that was funnier in nature. Um, there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where he sees this like massive spider crawling in his bathroom sink, and there's the the, the brilliance of the scene is that there's there's no words. He doesn't say anything. You just see him, and you can kind of like read what he's thinking. He sees this spider. He goes to kill it, but then like pauses, and you can tell he's thinking like. It's going to be the end of the world. Like, I don't need to end this spider's life. And then later, the next scene, it cuts to him sleeping, and the spider's, like, crawling on his face. And then it cuts again, and it's the next morning, and he's driving, and he has all these spider bites all over his face. It's, like, all swollen up. And that, to me, was hilarious. Just this act of mercy he showed, and then it just immediately backfired. Mm, That's a dark... That's a punchy dark... That's a... That's a... I'm telling you, man, the entire movie is, like, dark humor. Yeah. But, no, it is... It's you know the the thing that we hinted at too. I guess this will be what we can close with is that I want to ask you: Did you actually think that the world was going to end in this movie? Uh, I've been trained not to. Right, as you yeah. watch movies, usually yeah. the world doesn't actually end. Usually they figure something out. Usually yeah. there's one more broadcast where right. it says, "Oh, like great news! Yeah, like yeah. the asteroid missed us." No, I mean the world actually ended in this movie. I mean, that the we last, know. Of. The last scene is well. I think we think we know. The, there were explosions and they were staring at each other longingly and suddenly like everything went black yeah but in any uh bad tv series or any movie that ultimately has a sequel what you realize is that could have been anything um, there won't be a sequel yeah it, only because it, it had 55 percent rotten tomatoes if it was 70 percent they died the whole world blew up at the end that we know of well, anyway, you can find us on Twitter at Down the Hall, guys. You can go to our website, downthehallpodcast.com, where we encourage you to scroll down and actually type in a movie recommend to us for us to watch to consider for a movie night pick. If I'm not forgetting anything, I'm Chet over there, Rodney. That's and me. We're Down the Hall, guys. <laughs>